Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. And welcome back. Today I have Sabrina Little on the uh, on the Zoom call again with me today. Um, Sabrina, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on and chatting. Thanks for having me. For sure. So, uh, first question: Who is Sabrina? Uh, okay, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> I am a wife and an impending mother. I guess in May I'm going to have my first kid. Um, I'm a philosopher, and I am a professional runner for Hoka. Awesome. So when I first started this podcast, I made a list of guests that I wanted to have on. And based on what you do professionally, uh, both running and outside of running, you are very high on the list. So I'm, I'm very excited that we're, we're finally getting to have this chat. Oh, thanks. So um, do you want to tell people a little bit more about what you do professionally or uh, outside of running? Sure. Um, okay. So I just finished uh, my PhD um, in philosophy. I write in character education um, and philosophy of sports. Um, right now, I'm actually writing in philosophy of humor, which has been really fun. Um, but yeah, my intention is to be a philosophy professor at a university. Um, and I love my work. I just uh, get to write about questions that are really interesting to me and um, introduce students to a tradition of inquiry. So we ask big questions in the classroom and read really great books. Um, so it's just exciting work. Very cool. So we're at an interesting time in running. Um, and the, the, there's a common thread or a, a common exploration going on on Twitter, I'm seeing. And it's people sort of assessing and, and needing to understand why they run. Um, and so the basis of this podcast is exploring the why and and understanding what keeps people running long, strong, and motivated, as it says in the Instagram bio. So at a time when there are, there are no races, your you know your why needs to be something other than I run to race or um, I I train to race or I love racing. Uh, especially since there's so much you know, uncertainty at this time. So let's kick this off with um, what is what is your why? Oh, <laughs> all of your questions are like really big <laughs> questions. Um, or we well, can we can dissect it or and and <laughs> get to that one if you'd like. But um, that's sort of the the exploration I'd like to like to take here. Yeah. Um, well, so do you want a, an answer of why I started or why I, why yeah, I love it? Let's go with this. Why did you start? Yeah. Um, okay. So I started running, um, I guess I don't remember life before running and I don't remember it being a conscious choice that I would be a person who ran. Um, it was just something that I always did. Um, actually like, um, a couple of weeks ago, I found my uh, preschool report card and the teacher was like, 
this girl just really likes to run. Um, so at that, I guess like at that point, you're not really, um, making those sorts of choices for yourself. So I guess, um, one of my big whys is this is just what my body does and it's my way of being in the world. Um, it's been kind of like a, a through line through every, um, every point of time in my life. Like, and I didn't, um, go straight into track. I mean, I did a ton of other sports and I always kind of identified with those sports, but the thing that I brought to the table was that my legs moved really quickly and they didn't get tired. Um, so, so I guess my first why is I can't do otherwise. And I, I, I guess I've never tried to. That makes sense. Um, and then what, what kept you going and, and when did you realize that, Hey, this is something I could do, uh, at a high level? Um, well, I guess, I don't know. It's something that I really love. Um, like I just enjoy the simple act of putting my shoes on. Um, I like that running is like more of an edifying practice that I can, um, kind of structure my life around. So, um, when I wake up in the morning, I know that I'm going to eat to fuel, um, performance and I'm going to be a good steward of my body. And I'm going to think about rest and, um, having those sorts of like, um, what are they called? Like in a bowling alley when you have the, the lane lines up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, it keeps me on like a structure that I think is really healthy and, and productive and a good way, I guess, to learn about myself and to build character. Um, Mm -hmm. but then also it's just like stewardship of, well, these are the gifts that I have. Um, and I want to do the best I can with what I have and invest them and use them to invest in other people. Um, so yeah. Cool. And so that's, that's why you do it sort of overall. Why do you do it late in a race? What are you thinking late in a, in an ultra? Um, well, I guess it depends on the ultra because sometimes if you're like smelling the finish line, um, (laughs) it's like a lot easier than other times. Um, sometimes deep in the pain cave, I just like the one thing I always tell myself is, um, there's dignity in completion. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be pretty, but, um, just making it through the finish line is like, there's something beautiful, beautiful about that, like finishing a task and, um, like holding yourself accountable to it. And Mm -hmm. it may not even, I guess, like matter for the race itself. But if I'm practicing being the sort of person that I want to be outside of running, then I don't want to be a person who promises that I'm going to do something and then um, lets up right when it gets hard. So I guess like the personal accountability um, holds me to it. Got it. So something that that I wonder a lot is um, or that I think could be helpful is for someone with your background, what do you suggest people do if they're sort of looking introspectively or, or looking um, internally at figuring out their own why? Like, how? what do you suggest for people who are in a period where their goals may be shifting or their goals may be stripped away from them and they, they, they don't feel motivated or they don't feel like the reason they committed to doing something is there anymore? 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a really good question. And I think it's like a question that extends beyond um, like running itself, like um, getting up every day and going to work if you have a job um, or putting one foot in front of the other and running. Like there are just times when um, like motivation is is going to going to wane and you have to like figure out what the big thing is that you're aiming toward. And that's not like a question um, that someone else can, can answer for you, like for, for someone else. So like for me, um, my big why is very much tied up in like my faith, um, like my identity in God. Um, but it just has to be something that's bigger than the activity itself or bigger than the day to day. So, um, like one of the interesting things like right now is, um, like being pregnant, like I haven't been able to compete for the last seven months. Um, so like on some level, I like understand what people are going through right now and having their like races taken out of the way and like still having to make the decision for themselves to like wake up every day and, um, keep working. Um, and I, I think like, so I had to do like some of that work in myself, um, in figuring out what my daily motivation was. Um, and what and, was it? Well, one line that I found, um, that's really been helping me is, um, it's attributed to Martin Luther, but I've also seen it attributed to others. It's like, well, if the world were to end tomorrow, I would still plant my tree or I'd still plow my field. Um, and it's because the work itself has dignity and the work itself is good. And, um, it's like using your gifts as well as you can. And, um, if you can find like joy in the daily process of like investing yourself in things, um, then that's like a higher act than just like, I don't know, working toward, I guess, shorter term goals. So like having like an overriding, like picture of this work is good this work is beautiful and worthwhile. Um, I guess it's a big thing. Yeah. I think the, the understanding of like the bigger journey or your own journey versus running Boston or running Lake Sonoma or whatever it might be. Um, I don't want to think any further ahead. Um, I think it, I, I get, so I get to interview a lot of, elite athletes and and professional athletes on this podcast and the consistency as i've highlighted before is that um the the common thread is the focus on the journey versus the focus on the race um the first interview i released was with ben rosario and he was talking about uh, so he coaches the hoka group out of flagstaff and a lot of them are top athletes they're sending an athlete um to the olympics and you know they have they have athletes winning races or, you know, podiuming. So competition and, and placement is paramount, but he said that they never talk about um, results. They talk about execution and they talk about um, doing the work. And if you do the work, the results will come. But if they don't, it maybe won't impact you as much as if you were so results focused. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I, um, I remember hearing Ben say that I listened to that, um, interview and it was a really good one. Um, 
And it's important. Yeah. Because it's like their, their job and it like of all the people they should care the most <laughs> about <laughs> the outcome of their races, but it's just not a sustainable, I guess, way to approach things. If, cause even if it goes well, like then the race is over and then right. what, what are you oriented to? Or Yeah. Scott Fobble put out a, um, he put out a blog maybe last year, the year before and in it, I think it was after he he did so well at um I think it was Boston and he said if you don't define yourself by your failures why should you define yourself by your successes Yeah uh, I thought it was fascinating Yeah there's a little bit of an asymmetry there <laughs> like yeah. yeah that's good But yeah I, I think that um every race is a data point and every race can tell you how to modify the overall process and, and, you know, it's, it's the outcome. And then, and then there's the aspect of where we're at in social media world land and the fact that winning races is not the most important thing uh, or it's not as important as maybe it was 15 years ago where, you know, the fact that you have 50,000 followers that was non-existent. Whereas today you don't even need to be winning races to have, you know, a lot of followers or to have influence. And so I think it's just fascinating to balance the, um, being a real human versus performing and winning. And the two are not, um, they're not always correlated. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh man. Social media is so hard with that because um, it just seems like so much of athletics right now is like, there's like that, that vain glory aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. the look what, look what I can do, um, kind of thing. And it, it just reminds me of, cause so the philosophy that I really like to do is ancient Greek. Um, and if you look at what, um, they valued like the great heroes and what they oriented their life around. It was around like Time, like honor. And um, there's this moment in uh, Dante's Inferno. So in the medieval time period, um, Dante Alighieri, he wrote uh, the divine comedy and they're walking through the Inferno um, on this journey. And all the great heroes are in there and they're like calling out like, Hey, am I still remembered in the land of the living? <laughs> Cause it's like, there's like this assumed immortality to it. Like if people are talking about me, then that means like, I, you're still there I, and still relevant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's still relevant. And I mean, it's utterly meaningless. Like if you impact someone's life in a great way, then that's awesome. But getting more likes is like it, it just, it doesn't amount to anything. Yeah. I think that it's, I mean, it's a tough balance, right? Cause it's like, you want to be, you know, you post, you post a PR and you know, the, the watch shot of the Garmin or the whatever, um, that's going to get a ton of likes, but that's, that's fleeting maybe. Yeah. Um, whereas overcoming something or a struggle or, or something that's relatable, um, I think that that's what people remember, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and I really like um sorry, was I interrupting? No, go ahead. 
Oh, um, so when there are great athletes, like, um, I think Steph Bruce is a really great example. Um, Ladia Alberson Junkins, I think like they're extraordinary at what they do, but they also, um, I guess, take you along and show you the hard things. Like, um, they're going to be, you know, the ones who are impacting people because they're not like a miraculum, like, Hey, look at me. Like I did this thing. Um, they're like inviting you in to like also do that thing and, and share in it and rise up with them, I guess, in, in certain ways. Yeah. I mean, Ladia and Justin, the way that they went through what they went through last year, like shaped how I spent my second half of last year. Um, so they lost, they lost Gabe in June and around the same time, my grandfather was um, nearing the end of his life. And that was the first uh, time I, w- I was ever experiencing loss. And I had no clue what to do. Um, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about how you see someone you love die yeah. until they do. And I saw Justin um, and, and Ladia just bearing it all for the internet. And like, that was the only example of, of this that I've ever had. And I just, I tried to emulate um, what Justin did and I found peace in it and I found it to be helpful. And this is a time where like, I had no clue what to do and, and how to have these conversations, but even just like a little bit of guidance and, and something to um, something to to I don't know a spy like the way that they they brought everyone else along was was incredible and sort of inspired other people to um, live their life you know in three month blocks and and do things that um, maybe they wouldn't have done or or enjoy themselves in ways that you know you might put off and so I just thought that was fascinating and helpful. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And I mean, it was like, it was so powerful because like so many people saw themselves and saw like there's common humanity in that, in in the suffering. And I I think like as a culture, we don't do a great job with suffering or um, with mourning. Like, I, I mean, I lost my mom a few years ago and people would just like, you know, they'd want to make it go away by saying like, oh, but she's in a better place. And it'd be like, right. yeah, but let me be here now <laughs> right. and like walk through that and then move to like more hopeful themes. But yeah, like the dwelling is not something that people, I guess, exemplify very well, but they did. So the that's non-optional suffering. And then we, there's the optional suffering that many of us like and the type two fun that we love to get after. So let's talk about that. What, what gets you going when it comes to the optional suffering? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so I think, okay. One clarification I want to make is that um, a lot of distance runners um, or endurance sports folks, I guess, um, they conflate like pain and like optional suffering. And I think that's like kind of a dangerous thing. So like, you know, people 
people who say like, oh, no pain, no gain. Like, that's not what I'm after. Like, I, <laughs> I avoid pain. Like, pain is like a signal that your body is like, you know, it's interesting. Right. Hoping, yeah. Right. Um, but suffering itself, like, is so much a part of like, of a flourishing life. Like, um, like the ability to learn to remain um, when things are difficult. Like there's, there are little moments of suffering like throughout daily life. Like just having to, when I'm writing or something, like I just want to have this release and, you know, go do something else. But like, I have to suffer, like I have to remain there. And that's just like part of what it means to be a human. So I guess like, um, in running, it's like the opportunity to refine my ability to stay um, and to persevere and and be edified um, is something that I really like and appreciate. I wouldn't say um, necessarily that suffering itself is what draws me in. Um, it's probably more like curiosity. And then I just like, you know, because I want to see what I can do. I want to press myself. Um, and and dig deep and get all of my resources out and see what I'm made of. And then I just un- understand, I guess, that suffering is part of it. Yeah, I think that there's the, um, like, think about how much, how good things feel when you're coming back from injury. And it's like these, um, or, or I, I think coming, the coming back from injury is the best way to look at it. Like, you you're in this valley that's not fun and then you get to peak and you get to, you know, have that high again. And those highs aren't as, they wouldn't be as high without the low parts. And so the, you know, the, the euphoria I think isn't as strong or the, the um, Delta between the highs and the lows. uh, That's what, that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, for sure. The difference between running up a mountain versus driving the road. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I just spent a lot of time in Utah and Colorado and driving mountain roads can be plenty fun if you're in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about your injury. (laughs) No, it's, uh, it's, it's all good. It, um, last year was amazing and the start to this year wasn't, and I'm, you know, we're, and I just think that like, again, you appreciate the, you appreciate it when it, when you can't do it. Yeah, definitely. So we talked a lot about sort of the, why you do it and, and getting into it. Um, so how do you do it? I know you live at, you know, what, 500 feet. Okay. So I did in Waco. Um, I recently moved to Moorhead, Kentucky, uh, and it rolls a little bit more. Like I live in a place where, um, like a six mile run, I can get like 600 feet of vertical gain, which is not like a mountain, (laughs) but it's still, I don't know. It feels (laughs) more than Waco. Um, I think, so do you want to know like the structure of my training or like how I prepare? I I think a lot of people that, that run ultras are curious how, pros who live in areas like you uh, or live in an area like you live uh, how they do it so less about the structure more about like how do you how do you make use of what you have yeah um 
Okay, so one thing I realized that <laughs> when I was living in Waco, I would whine all the time. Uh, like, oh, I don't have any vertical gain. Like, it's so bad. And then I got to Moorhead and I was like, oh, I don't have any flat land for tempo. <laughs> so it's just always like, you know, like when you realize, <laughs> yeah, you might realize like there's maybe there's something wrong with me and my, the way that I'm approaching this that I'm, uh, I don't know, it's never perfect. So um, I think for me, like the most important thing to support ultra running is just consistency of putting in miles week after week and, and stacking those weeks. So, um, I just, at the end of a training cycle, I want to be, um, as aerobically fit as possible and then have, um, a few more, a few tailored, um, long runs or, um, special runs where I, uh, imitate the terrain more closely. Um, mm -hmm. but that's like the last stage, like so much of the work is just where, whatever you have, like whatever the terrain looks like, just getting out there and really getting to, um, just put it, put in the time. Yeah. Um, David, my coach, David, uh, likes the trial of miles or miles of trials, whatever, whatever the yeah. Trial of miles. And it's just like nothing beats work and consistency. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can, you can, you know, go race specific if you want, or you can just get as fit as you can and, you know, maybe sharpen a little bit at the end. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean like, okay, so sometimes I see friends like posting pictures of their runs in the mountains and, I mean, I feel a little bit of sadness when I'm like running laps around a parking lot, but I know yeah. like, I know that if I focus on my own training, that parking lots have gotten me really fit in the past and <laughs> that's all, like, I just need to improve myself relative to where I was. Yeah. I feel you on that. My, the highest point of my run, my running here in Boston is when I leave my fourth floor apartment nice <laughs> <laughs> like 50 feet up so it's <laughs> about 50 feet above sea level so right there with you um so what has it been like uh as a pregnant runner um well uh i guess it's kind of been interesting like i guess before i became pregnant i would think like i wonder why more people don't talk about it but then once you're pregnant it's like it, it just feels like you're under a magnifying glass. Like everybody has, I guess, input in what you're doing or what you're not doing. So like early on, like um, I would post like, I don't know, like a four mile run at seven thirty pace. Like my heart rate would have been like in the one thirties or something, but then people would comment like, Oh, are you sure you're, <laughs> are you pushing hard? <laughs> and I don't know. So <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a minute, 15 seconds slower than I would like to run a marathon and that's 26 miles. So, I mean, it's all relative. So I guess like immediately I just felt, um, I guess kind of silenced in not wanting to share, um, particulars of things. And it was both because one, I didn't know what people would say Two, I don't feel like I should be a model or an authority for what other people should do because they come in with different like bodies and different um, like training um, 
And when I got pregnant, actually, like two weeks prior, so I was training um, to try to get an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon. And I actually like found out I was pregnant during my taper. So I was like, okay, I'm like happy, but also I was like, oh, Um, but like I was running 110 miles, um, putting in like really long, long runs. Um, And then I did what every pregnant lady does, every pregnant endurance runner, I should say. And as soon as I found out, you know, I was like first really, really so excited And then I did the first thing of, okay, now I need to like Google and see what other people say about running while they're pregnant. Um, There's not a lot out there. um, And all of like the warnings or the um, resources available to the general public say, hey, you know, just keep up your four times a week at 30 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) Yeah, NARP NARP life. (laughs) So... I just like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of like, I guess, nervousness around that. Um, so I just, I mean, I talked to my OBGYN and got good advice from, um, like I would send some runners, um, messages who I trusted and asked what they did. Um, I got to talk actually to Steph Bruce a little bit at the Hoka summit about what she did. Um, and just like, learn to trust my body and figure things out. Like the first trimester, I just kept kind of running. Um, like I kept up the same schedule, but I, if I did any workouts, I would build breaks into them to like reduce my heart rate back to a normal level. Cause I was like nervous about overheating. Um, and then I'm just like slowly deconditioning as, as I go forward, but I've never done this before. <laughs> I'm like most concerned about like having a healthy baby. And right now it's like, um, I'm in the beginning of my third trimester. She's like this little, I call her my little walrus because she, she just like, she'll roll around. And it's like the only way I can explain it is like, you know, when a walrus like sinks into like the water and then the water, like everything moves in its wake. Like, <laughs> It's kind of what I feel like. It's like, um, like a you're on a roller coaster ride, and your stomach feels, you know, your stomach drops, and you're like, oh, and you feel like you should put your hands up, but it's like you. <laughs> it's just your like miniature walrus moving around. Um, so yeah. Wow, that's. I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? What is it like going? into the next few weeks knowing that as you said you're you're deconditioning is that something you've accepted is that hard um yes so both (laughs) it's in my finer moments it's something that i haven't (laughs) accepted um like uh, um yeah it's kind of hard to answer this question because um i feel like anytime anybody asks me about like being pregnant as a pro endurance runner, like they, if I say anything is hard, they immediately like caution me like, Oh, well, I guess you don't realize like what a glorious gift this is. Um, and I do, it's like both the case that I realize this is a glorious time of life. And I'm so excited for like the blessing of a child. And there are some real like hard moments to it. Um, 
So like initially, um, I always posted my workouts on Strava and my training and there would always be these little like moments, I guess. I didn't realize how much they were impacting me, but like when you see, oh, you're trending, your fitness is trending in a positive direction or um, you finally got a segment or you've run that stretch of ground like faster than you have before. Like those little moments of affirmation really, I guess, were more significant to me than I allowed myself to, um, to, to think that they were. And so like some of the hard things are like month after month you're running, but you're getting slower. <laughs> Sometimes you frame it as like, this is being productive to my mental health, to my overall health, things like that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I've been thinking a lot about leisure and what leisure really is like enjoying an activity for its own sake. And I know that's so important and running honestly is not that a lot of time for me because I focus on races and I am working toward a particular goal. Um, and in this period of time, I'm just like, really enjoying it for its own sake. I'm spending more time like um, running with my husband and he doesn't care what pace we run. He's like an amazing running buddy and support. Um, And just like enjoying runs with him. Like we talk to the cows and the horses when we run past and yeah. So it's been, it's been like definitely different and I've had to like inspect myself, like interrogate, my upset emotions and be like, well, clearly you're valuing your performances more than you told yourself you were. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, that's edifying and an important thing, regardless of the fact that I get child on the other side of it. Cool. So, um, as a professional athlete, what was the experience like telling your sponsors? Um, it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I was definitely nervous about it. Um, there, so the first people I had to tell, um, obviously my husband, <laughs> I told him. Surprise. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told him, but then I told um, two race directors, um, my shoe sponsor at Hoka, who's been wonderful, and um, a podcast host, um, <laughs> the tortoise and the hair podcast is Pat Reagan. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> it's because, so I ended up telling him before I told my family, <laughs> um, but the reason, and I felt so bad, but the reason was like, I mean, nobody in my family had asked me direct questions like, Hey, are you pregnant? <laughs> um, but as a moral philosopher, I have like very, I guess, firm scruples, or at least I guess I know what I, what I think about honesty and honesty is like really important to me. And so I was answering <laughs> questions on this podcast. I knew they were going to ask me direct questions about my racing. So I was like, listen, I'm having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and no then, around this answer. And, and. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Reagan, for those of you who don't know him, um, we I had him on uh I had him on this podcast when we were down in Austin, Texas, and he is uh fascinating to say the least. Um he was episode forty four of this podcast and 
just a really interesting person. And if you ever have a chance to meet him at a race, um, sit down with him and have a have a a real one on one conversation with him if you can, because he's fascinating. He gets it, and he's one of the best people out there. So big shout out to Pat Reagan. Um, so yeah, now I I can totally see how you wouldn't want to give him anything but the truth. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he really is a great guy. But I had until like, so I hung up the phone and then I was like, all right, I have until this goes live to tell everybody <laughs> in my family I'm having a child. Shot clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is probably a good thing because I was dragging my feet a little bit. I don't know why. Um, they were all like so excited. Um, Hoka is wonderful. I mean, I emailed um, my contact person in marketing and the head of marketing um, Mike McManus. Um, and within like five minutes, I got like an all caps response, like, Oh my gosh, we're dancing yeah. over here. Like so excited for you. Um, and then like soon after I went to the Hoka, um, like we had a global summit and everybody, um, who worked in the offices at Hoka was coming over and congratulating me and telling me not to worry about like my when I resign, I mean, I had just resigned at the start of the year, but I'm secure in the fact that my contracts will be renewed and they still think that I'm valuable to the team. So um, they are everything that they profess to be. Like they really do support women, not just in their ads. Um, so yeah, it's a great company to be a part of. Cool. I love it. Um, I had a conversation with Aaron Strout on this podcast uh, before the Olympic trials and we were talking about the fact that like, why wouldn't they <laughs> yeah. like, when, when, when women are pregnant and having a kid, like that's the most human that they're, that they ever are. And that's the most relatable that they ever are. And, and it's silly that, um, that, you know, brands didn't see it that way until maybe recently, but um, awesome that they, they do. And um, I hope it's a sign of, uh, change to come where everybody feels that way. Yeah, for sure. It's already weird, weird enough to have like a little walrus. That <laughs> you should be supported. <laughs> um, I love the, I love the analogy. That's great. Um, so what are some big scary goals that you have for the future? Let's say, Five years from now, what are you going to look back? Five to ten years from now, what are you going to look back on um, and be proud of? Hmm. Uh. Well, in terms of running, um, I really want to master the 100k. I think like I got my first taste of it at Carbon X this past year, and I just saw like so much room um, for improvement. I mean, I really had a hard day. Um, and still was able to do something that was, I mean, like respectable enough. <laughs> so yeah. I, I just really want to refine my craft there. Um, I think road running is where my strength lies because I'm more of a rhythm runner. Um, and I just, I just really enjoy uh, redundancy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So fun. And um, yeah, so I want to get better at, at that. Um, I really want to go and get my Olympic trials qualifier, even though the window's closed. Like I need to do that for myself to show myself that I can. Um, and for 2024? 
well, yeah, for 2024, but like when this kid comes out, <laughs> <laughs> the walrus. When the walrus, when I meet the walrus, um, <laughs> yeah, I I definitely uh, want to tackle the marathon and then um, and, like as soon as I can and then um, yeah, aim for aim for twenty twenty four. Um, cool. Yeah, but I want to do comrades and I want to be in the top ten there. Um, I want to do another twenty four hour um, eventually and um, see if I can improve. I haven't run one. That, one of those since 2013. So I'm really excited to get back in that game. So a lot of things. What's that like? The 24 hour. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it sounds like really, I guess I'm unpleasant. Um, but if you are just like, because it's so long and, and monotonous, but, um, if you just, I don't know, master the moment that you're on and, um, enjoy yourself and don't fret too early, um, and just take care of taking care of yourself. Um, it can be like a really fun experience. I mean, honestly, like the final, you know, you run, you get to a hundred, then you're like, okay, now I can start thinking about like the rest of the race. Um, and then it does get harder, like, you know, in a way that kind of wears you down. Um, but it never gets like so hard that it's, that it seems beyond you. You just like keep moving one step at a time. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just like a beautiful event. Um, it's, it's always like on a loop course. And so you feel like you've, you've bonded with the people around you. It's like a really special shared experience. And it just feels like kind of a pure type of like, it, it appeals to my imagination. Cause it's like, okay, what if I laid out one day <laughs> and tried to get as far as I can, how far would that be? Um, it, it's just like, I don't know. It makes me curious. Cool. What do you wish you knew when you started ultra running that you know today? Hmm. I wish I knew, oh my goodness, like so many things. Uh, (laughs) Like my first ultra, I didn't know that I was supposed to carry water bottles. Um, (laughs) Where did you learn learn that you were supposed to? um, I was on the bus on the way to the mountain masochist. And someone asked me where my hydration was. And I was like, oh, I heard there are eight stations. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, you're in for a long day. (laughs) Um, So I guess, yeah, like, I guess the nutrition and hydration, I wish I knew those things. But I guess more, um, like, more fundamentally than that or, like, more to the depth of my person sort of thing, I, I wish I knew that, like, it doesn't matter how you perform on the, on the day. Like don't just don't overthink it. Just like enjoy the ride and results will take care of themselves. Cool. Um, I think that that is a perfect place to wrap it up. I think that's a great message for everyone to hear. And if we want to follow along with, uh, with your journey, where can we find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at bean in sneakers um, or just search Sabrina Little, and I'm on Instagram as Mrs. Little Engine that could. 
Um, and I'm on Strava as well, Sabrina Little. Awesome. Uh, Sabrina, thanks so much for, for coming on today. And we'll see you in the Little Walrus soon. <laughs> thanks for having me. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.